The MX Vice Show. Welcome to episode 44 of the MX Vice Show podcast. We're here, Lewis is in Italy, and we're going to break down everything that happened on Sunday. It's great to see the MXGP back. It's great to see some races on TV, although I've got to say, not great coverage, but we'll get to that. The MX Vice Show podcast is brought to you by Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Yoko Europe, Props Racing Parks, Technical Touch, Hinson, KYB, Seven, even strokes, Kawasaki UK, and of course, Talon Engineering. First and foremost, Fly Racing has redefined expectations and safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts, featuring rayon technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's Advanced Impact System, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1,290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula Helmet has changed the game. Visit formula.flyracing.com for more on the helmet and flyracing.com to see their 2021 line of gear. Fantastic as always to have Fly Racing supporting us. They came on as sponsors of the show and also the website this year. Uh, on that note, uh, we have had some technical issues um, with the website. As mentioned on the previous show, we are upgrading the website constantly. We kind of got pushed into it because the last website kind of just died. So um, our, we didn't even beta test this one. We just literally had to put it live. But uh, every day, uh, we've got two developers which are working on it and, and updating it. And I know we had some Chrome issues the weekend with mobile. So. That looks like it's going to be sorted in the next couple of days. Okay, this is take two. There was a, a time when I was solo on this podcast, but he's back, Lewis Phillips. Hi, hi again. Yeah, we had some technical issues from Italy. Uh, you wouldn't have known about this, but this is our second attempt at the podcast show today. Yeah, the hotel because... Wi-Fi is non-final. It's currently cloudy at 17 degrees. <laughs> I think you just set off my Siri, dude. How the hell? Well, I thought I was just you messing around with the phone. <laughs> no, no, uh, I don't know, but you've managed to, maybe you are Siri. An utter car crash, an utter car crash. Yeah, this is, at this point, I'm hungry, I'm busy, and Lewis keeps, just keeps messing up the podcast show. So um, let's talk about MXGP again, obviously again for us, but first time for listeners. Can I just fill one in quickly? Uh, yeah, why not? Um, in the first half that was deleted that no one will ever hear, James asked me if Fienza has got heels because watching the stream, he believed it looked flat. So that's what we're dealing with. People of the world. Okay, and, and let me open up on, on this as well. 
the TV stream from the weekend was particularly bad. Have anything to do with you not realizing that the track has hills? I possibly watched 15 minutes of good content uh, because the stream was that bad. And also, I should mention before we came on this, Lewis likened the track to Fox Hills. No, I said as a whole, the hill that the track is on is as steep as Fox Hills, which I am still standing by. Luckily for you, we have no proof of what you said because it's deleted. So... Shall we once again try and move on to MXGP? And you give us some insights, which I didn't get to see on my 15 minutes of streaming this week. Well, um, the first podcast that we did, I was very excited. So I need to match that, I guess. You do. And um, we were talking about, obviously, uh, which no one's going to hear of, and we keep referring to this. Uh, The first part, which is now deleted, we were talking about Jeremy a lot. And Jeffrey, and Jeffrey. And Jeffrey. Jeffrey and Jeremy. Yeah, but they, they need to be talked about because they went one, two, and that's right to talk about. So I guess... Well, let's go. Okay. What, what did I say the first time? <laughs> 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 no. Okay. As you know, this is, this is what I said. So okay. when I interviewed Herlins, the question that I asked him, first of all, basically summed up the entire Fienza day as a unit. I said to him, you went 1-1 on a day, but you've gone 1-1 loads. I don't think that's the biggest story. I think the story is that everyone was fast today, and there are a lot of guys who could have won. But you being you, you found a way to make it happen, go 1-1, and put a load of points on the rest of the field again. That's kind of why you're you, if that makes sense. That was actually what I said to him, word for word. Do you reckon he's ever been asked a question that says, that's kind of why you're you? I thought in the first half, you asked him if um, he was single, oh. and... Funny whether, guy. Funny guy. whether he sees you as in the same league as him. Funny guy. No, but this is a the point. There were six riders that could have won in MXGP yesterday. Prado, Herlin, Sewer, Crowley, Bevra, Geyser. All six of those riders were fast enough to win, all similar lap times. At one point in the second moto, the top six, with like three minutes to go, were separated by eight seconds? Four seconds? No, four seconds. So. Clearly, had things shaken out differently, any of those riders could have won. But somehow, both times, Herlins was the one who made it happen, got 1-1, extended his points lead to 60 points, which after six rounds is ridiculous. Like, a lead like that is insane. And yeah, that's, that's just, I feel like that just encapsulates why Herlins is Hurling and why he's so hard to beat over the course of a season and why he's a... 90-time GP winner. That's great for you to round it up in. It's great that he, that he is encapsulated. <laughs> I don't know how to say that word. <laughs> 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 oh, As I said it, I was like, I've never said it. This has never come up. No, and I do, I do genuinely believe that that's the story. Is that despite everything, and there being six riders that could have got it done, there was only one rider who did get it done, and it's a rider who consistently gets it done. I, I kind of... It feels like he's not as dominant as before, but he is, which makes no. zero sense. No. Because at the start of the year, we were predicting that he was just going to demolish everybody, yeah, what, which he has, okay. Okay. but it doesn't feel like he has. What percentage of GP wins do you think he has had to have had in order to have demolished everyone? Uh, 100. Okay, that's ridiculous. 
Because he's won four out of six GPs. Which is mental to say that we're only six GPs in. When you actually lay it out like that, it's like, wow, this year's dragon. But um, he's won four out of six GPs. We're six rounds in and he's got a 60-point lead. That is dominant. How can you get more dominant than that? Two losses and a 60-point lead. Like, you can't. You cannot get more dominant than that unless you just want to reel off a perfect season. This is a dominant hurling season. And actually, you know what? I won't hear anything else of it. We, we talked about off-air or on-air, I can't even <laughs> remember, but in post-race podcast, Jeffrey alluded to, to his kind of mindset, which um, kind of made you think. Do you want to elaborate on that? Maybe if you could encapsulate it, it'd be great. Um, no, I think you're referring to the fact that he said he is now happy to lose. Fifth place will do. He essentially said that he doesn't, losing doesn't bother him like it used to. And also, he put a real emphasis on the fact that he's got a 60-point lead, and that's okay because now he can have a bad moto. Whereas old Jeffrey would have gone, brilliant, I've got a 60-point lead. Look how close I am to having a 100-point lead. Let's crack on. But now he's like, well, now I can afford to have like a bad motorcycle. Well, really, he can afford to have a bad round. And that's just that little switch in mentality. But again, in the interview, he referenced how he wants to be like Caroli and he wants to be like Dungey. And it, to be honest, he's told me he wants to be like Dungey for five years now. Like, I've, he's said that a lot. Which Hurlins do you prefer? Is it the old Hurlins or the new Hurlins? You've got to say the new Hurlins because this, like, it, you know what? Actually, this is exactly what Hurlins said to me, right? Quickly. People are like, this is not the Jeffrey Hurlins we're used to seeing. But if you look at the sheet today, I'm 60 points leading. And I jumped in and said, yeah, in some ways, this is a better Jeffrey Hurlins. And he said, for now, yes. Because factually, this is a better Jeffrey Hurlins. This is a well-rounded champion Jeffrey Hurlins, who's hard to beat, rather than uh, erratic Jeffrey Hurlins. If you're KTM, if you're Red Bull, I think you'd much rather have this version of Hurlins. Do you think it's a better value for money? We still won four out of six GPs. There's like He's just as dominant as... Okay, so 2018 was his most dominant year ever. Ridiculous year. He was ridiculous. Guess what? We were six rounds in and he'd won four out of six. We were? What? You just said we were six rounds in. Yeah. As a, as a, as a collective... We, oh, okay. Okay, yeah. We, Sorry. MXGP, were six rounds into that 2018 season where he was ridiculously dominant and he had also won four out of six GPs. Okay. just... I don't know. Maybe it's just the fact that Sewer was on his arse the whole time. Maybe that... I, I, think, I think this is what it is because if we go back to Matterley where um, we've seen Evans in front of him and I, I think this is... Although he's winning, although he's... Four out of six GPs, we're seeing. I think that's the, the problem. Your eyes are, are kind of telling a different story to what is actually on, on paper. Yeah, but equally, if you want to tell me that Sewer right now is faster than Jeffrey Hurlins, I'm there for that. I can't argue you or anyone. Like, sure, I'll debate it and I'll tell, I'm, like, you can have a discussion about it. It's not a slam dunk, but it is a conversation and that's fine. Hurlin seems to be realising that actually being the fastest rider doesn't win you championships. Well, no, actually it does. But, you know, it's fine to manage the race and win rather than 
demolish everyone and win. But also, we, we, we kind of mentioned, we've mentioned Jeffrey, we've mentioned Jeremy, but also Prado and Caroli were, were very much part of that, that battle at the front this week. So all, all four riders look like they have the capability and the speed to, at any point, kind of beat him, but they're not. Uh, yeah, but the thing is, I don't know where you go with that because the track is hard to pass on. Fact. Therefore, getting the start is important. Fact. And if Herlin starts seventh on Wednesday, I don't know if he wins. So but at the same time, is that his mindset where I don't have to win? But I yeah, can well, that, move up to say third or fourth, in, and we're happy. That is the prime example of where, um, like, you get bit in the ass because. If Herlin starts eighth on Wednesday and thinks, oh my God, I need to win, that's where you override the track and mistakes happen. Whereas this new Herlins, who's going to start seventh and be like, okay, this is going to be a difficult race. Yeah, fourth will be fine. That's easy peasy, really, isn't it? The interesting part of that is, is Herlins is the only one who can afford to have that mindset. And this track almost hurts the other people in that respect. Regarding the track, are they looking to make any changes Wednesday, or are they just going to be running the same track over the, uh, over the free event? Uh, I presume it'll be the same because it didn't change at Latvia between the first two. And anyway, um, I don't have a clue what they could do here because it's such like a what would you say? Like a, it's such an old school track as far as like it's so set in stone. I don't like I don't know what you'd be able to do, and the dirt's so hard packed that moving jumps or stuff like that would be difficult. So I can't see there being anything really happening. So the riders, what the riders have had on Sunday, they basically will contend with over the next two rounds. So the riders, which you just, it's all the same for everybody. They're going to have to deal with it. It's, it's going to be about the start. Yeah. And no, everyone, it's all going to like sometimes, like no one's going to get 100% good starts or 100% bad starts. So it will, it will all, um, it will all even out by the end of it. But the fact is, Hurlins can start seventh now and go, yep, it's fine. I'll finish fifth. Yeah, that'll do. Lovely. Uh, Geyser and co, Crowley, uh, everyone else who wants a shot at this title, starts eighth, and they can't do that because that's not going to, that just won't work. You saw Geyser rode much, much, much better than anyone would think he did on Sunday because of his results. And yet it still wasn't, it wasn't enough. Purely because of the start, it shot him in the foot massively. He's not even second in the championship now. And he's, I think he is 60. You know what? Let me have a quick look. I don't actually know how far Geyser is down on uh, Jeffrey. Because Crowley's second in the championship now, 60 points down. Geyser's third. And what is the difference between 203 and 196? Seven? Six? Six? Seven? Seven, so Geyser is 67 points down on Hurlins. Geyser needs to... Geyser's in, I don't want to say a must-win situation because, in theory, we do have um, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. We have 12 rounds to go. So that is a long time. We're not at a halfway point yet. Uh, but Geyser's got... I think Geyser's got a rack now. And actually... I don't think I said that on this. I don't think I said this on this podcast. I think I said it on the dead podcast. I coming into this stretch of races, I thought this was going to be the Geyser show because Geyser was probably the fastest rider across the three Latvian races. Obviously, bad luck hurt him uh, bike wise, but 
this track suits him more than that. I thought it'd come out swinging because of uh, what happened in Latvia, like a bit between his teeth and all that. And then he would win a majority of the races here and take some points out of Hurlins. But it's already kind of gone the other way. And really, the best thing that can come of it now is he gets the gap back to what it was when we came here. Because the difference between 46 and 67 is significant. And that happened just like that in one day. One of the things which got me thinking, and I, I want to talk to you a little bit about it in, in uh, part two, was is clearly the riders that the KTM group, and I'm talking KTM group as in uh, KTM, who's far and gas gas, the riders that they, they have this year and potentially the ones which they're going to replace or, or sign, they are looking very much like uh, not just dominating with one rider, but actually it's not going to be long before they start dominating the top 10. I mean, we, we see the, the Kawasaki effort of, of, you know, sort of two riders. You see the Honda effort of, of two riders. And, um, and we've already talked about the top 15 is, is they're so fast and so stacked. But one thing which uh, was apparent from the weekend is I think the Japanese manufacturers have, are going to have a tough time competing. I'm confused where this has come from. I was just thinking about it. While you're boring me with, with boar herding <laughs> stuff now, that's kind of what I was thinking of. Well, no, I, I'm guessing you're saying that because Hurlins, Caroli, and Prado were one in one, two, three at one point in Moto One. But yep. Sewer was pushing Hurlins. Sewer's, Yamaha's looking like they have a contender for the foot more so than they have done since 2016. Kawasaki, yeah, but what, what Kawasaki I'm saying is. looking it's... like they have more of a contender for a title than they have done since 2014. Honda are right in this thing anyway and the defending world champions. What other Suzuki are doing things? I don't know. What I'm saying is that from a resource point of view, their their fo- their focus is on or one or two riders. KTM as a group, their focus is on a minimum of seven. Yeah, but I, I don't think you can I don't think you can talk about the case you can I don't think you can really like celebrate the KTM group like that. ATM, Husqvarna, Gas Gas, it's all different things. Like, I, don't, I don't know. Well, it's not, I know it's not different things, but I don't think you can celebrate how, because it's not like there are seven KTM. I'm, I'm not celebrating. I'm just saying that surely this is a warning to the other manufacturers as to, you know, what's to come. Okay. But what are they going to, what do, okay. I don't know. I don't know how we've got onto this, but what's Honda, so Honda either have to sign seven riders to their factory team or by two other manufacturers? Nope. No, I'm just thinking, will, will they start you know, answering back with like having an additional rider and maybe extending it to a three-factory team? Yeah, but what's that going to do? Give them more of a presence. But if Honda's got Geyser and Evans, that's a, as far as a factory team goes, you can't get a, be- you can't get a much better duo than that. No, I, I, I totally agree. So I don't know what you want them to do. Get another factory rider. But then who are they going to find that's going to add to that? Like, who's going to help the situation? I don't know. I'm just saying <laughs> that... When you realise that you are fucked. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I'm, I'm just saying... I, I, okay, I'm just thinking of it as a business, sales, sell bike biz, business or whatever. It, I, I kind of look at it from that and, and from, you know, the presence that I get in it at an international level. I understand what you're saying. I, I don't know the answers to that. That's not yeah, my... Yeah, my... 
what I'm saying, what I'm trying to trying to say, and this is why I'd rather talk, talk to you about in part two because we were talking about MXGP, but I was bored with you. But what I'm what I'm trying to say is is basically the, the KTM group, as in the three uh, manufacturers that they have, they're you know okay, Jeremy doing well, Tim doing well, um, February you know, you know doing well, um, but, but that's it. You know, there's, there's what I'm saying is there's that some weeks with Jazakonis and um, Koldenhoff, you know, doing well, they they pretty much you know have got fifty percent. To sixty percent of the, the top ten, but again, I don't look. I don't think anyone goes well. Look, like I don't. I don't understand. It sells bikes, Lewis. But That's what. But Husqvarna having a rider in the top ten doesn't sell a KTM. And I know it. Uh, I know it's all the same thing, kind of. But I don't. No, think it's, no, it's, this, this, this is where you're wrong. The the kids oh. of today are influenced by those riders. And what those riders are wearing, and what those riders yeah, are riding. But, but yeah, but having a Husqvarna rider in a top ten sells a Husqvarna. It doesn't sell a KTM. Having Hurlins on a KTM sells a KTM. Having guys on a Honda sells a Honda. Having Hurlins on a KTM doesn't sell a Gas Gas. But I don't know what you're. I genuinely don't know what you're saying. I, I'm just saying what I'm, I'm literally seeing, and, and I understand what, what to help you. I'm just saying that. The KTM group is three manufacturers. It all goes into one big pot. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is that they're, they're on a course to dominate uh, basically bikes. I, I, I don't, I just help me. Help me to help you. <laughs> it's just, I'm just stating a fact. It is also, I don't understand where this has come from because Gaskas and Husqvarna did not have a great weekend. Not this weekend, but you can kind of see I, from from what the start of the year, I can see the building blocks of, of, of them kind of shadowing or or putting a shadow over the rest of the manufacturers. It was so we, I didn't realize we, we we're chucking Fienza out the window already. <laughs> we kind of bored a bit. The problem was is we we cut, we had a really good show, a fantastic show. Um, it's very strong, thirty five minutes, and we we can't talk about it. Well, one, I, mean, I feel like I'm already on the, the second round of Fienza. Well, the one thing I haven't retraced my steps with from the first one that we need to talk about okay. is Dua. Because when we talked about him much in this show, I don't think, unless I'm confused, which could be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> we, we talked about him in the, in the show, which never happened. Yeah, exactly. So, Sua is phenomenal. Fact. Sewer is Sewer, Sewer deserves all of the praise in the world. Genuinely, I am so impressed, so impressed. G- cannot stress enough how much I am impressed. Are you close to getting a poster and a, a duvet set? Well, no. Like we don't see this. You don't see progress like this in the middle of a season. And this isn't progress like oh, we went from being a twelfth place rider to an eighth place rider. This is. He's he's went from fifth, sixth, or wherever he was, to being on the level of the very best. Maybe, the, like I said, maybe the very best. If you want to tell me he's the fastest rider in MXGP at the moment, then I can't really argue you. If that's what you believe, I can't really come up with a defence otherwise. Uh, I have got to be honest. His progress over the last couple of years is is you know it's pretty special. When you think of um, where he was in MX2 in was he vice vice champion in MX2? Twice. Twice. 
And uh, you never know how someone's going to go on a 450, but he's just got better every year. I've got my notes from yesterday in front of me. Okay. Do you want to know what I've written about Sewer? Do it. I put Jeremy Sewer, phenomenal. He's nice. And that's it. I've just literally written a word phenomenal. And that's do you think that... Do you think that phenomenal encapsulates everything? Do you feel like it's paying for me to come to Fienza so I could write down Jeremy Sewer phenomenal? <laughs> insight from the TV. <laughs> I'm really pleased with the progress you've made over the last couple of years. <laughs> to get to that. Um, well no, I've got a lot more, but I can't remember. I genuinely can't remember what I said. <laughs> right. Well, I think uh, I think the wheels have firmly fell off um, this this podcast show. So it's going to be time for us to uh, take a break and and try and get this shit show back on on the road. Um, I just want to apologise uh, to everybody who's probably listening to this and, and wonder what they've missed. You actually missed a whole half an hour of a great show. No, I want to say, I need to clarify this. You keep saying that it was a great show. A lot of what we've said now in the actual show was said in the other one. Like everything that I pretty much said the same about Herlins as I said the first time around. And it's not like, like this, James is, basically what happened is before we scrapped the first show, my connection died for two minutes and James carried the show by himself for two minutes. That's what you've missed. And that's why he thinks it was phenomenal. It was yeah, phenomenal. Honestly, best you care about you haven't missed much. Best podcast performance ever. Literally ever. The shit like this doesn't happen very often. I actually got my spark back. Uh, I didn't actually want to quit the show for, for about 10 minutes. And then obviously, then when we lost it, I just wanted to quit again. So basically, the show became solely about you and you suddenly started enjoying it. Yeah. Well, actually, you wasn't, you wasn't on it. So exactly, That's what I mean. The show became just about you for five minutes and you were suddenly like, oh, I quite enjoy this. Yeah, I, I, I had no problems. Why don't you start the James show? You can talk about how Fienza has hills, how motocross bikes have two wheels, and how yeah. the white ones are very good. And I, this is, James is like, this is it. Like, oh, welcome to the James Burfield show. The, the orange bikes are good and the white bikes are good and the red bikes are good. And when you put them all together, it's really good. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is the, the Lewis Phillips show and it encapsulates <laughs> everything about Jeffrey Hurling's and Jer- Jeremy Sewer. So if you would like to have a show about Jeffrey and Jeremy and what it encapsulates, and that would be amazing. And I'm Lewis Phillips, and this is the Lewis Phillips show. And I am Stato. That's it. That, that would be your show. Okay. Better than the Colour of Bike show. Whatever. Right. We'd like to thank Fly Racing, Liap. Planet Motor Holidays, Yoko Europe, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, Hinson, KYB, Seven, Evenstrokes, Kawasaki UK, and Talon Engineering for all their help. The MX5 show is brought to you by Talon Engineering, the industry leaders in aftermarket wheels and sprockets. Teams like Rockstar Energy, Husqvarna Factory Racing in the USA, Rocky Mountain ATV, MC, KTM, Build Base Honda, and more. Put their trust in the same wheels that you can get your hands on. Get more Talon information at talon-eng.com. We'll be back in five. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. 
technical touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to top flight motocross with a bang. The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com. The MX Vice Show. Part 2 of the MX Vice Show. This podcast is brought to you by Fly Racing, Liap, Planet Motor Holidays, Yoko Europe, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, Hinson, KYB, Seven, even strokes, Kawasaki UK, and Talon Engineering. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring rayon technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the formula helmet has changed the game. I really need to know more about this helmet and test it, I think. I, I need a new helmet. As mentioned previously, I look like Darth Vader in my current helmet. So well, um, uh, you could actually call me Captain Dark Helmet. Um, so if anybody from Flyers listening out there, I would really like to try the Formula uh, helmet. Please. Can I make a bit of a personal suggestion to you? Not really. Okay. If you could just keep fucking quiet, that would be great. Just uh, just me. Oh, maybe that should be the Planet Moto bombshell of the week that you fucking yeah. interrupted me again. Uh, all the factory teams head to Spain for riding where the weather and conditions are perfect. You can too. Planet Moto holidays provide accommodation, meals, transport and more. An eight-day holiday costs just £845. Visit planetmoto.co to find out more and book one of the available slots in October or November. There are still four slots available in the upcoming months. Give them a shout, people. Um, also, us. if you book now for those October-November dates, you get a free T-shirt if you quote an X-Vice or something. 
There we go. Free t-shirt. Uh, we'll also give you a free MX Vice t-shirt. If you go on the Planet Moto holidays, give us a shout. We'll speak to the guys there. Make sure that you actually went on it and not just trying to con us from an amazing MX Vice t-shirt. And once clarified, we will send you an MX Vice t-shirt too. Double whammy. Double whammy. Right. Do you want to talk more about your admiration for uh, Jeffrey and Jeremy? Uh, no, I think we're done with Jeffrey. I think basically, so like, congrats to Jeffrey on the world title. I'm was was, was you going to say it's over if you moved on now to Jeremy? No, uh, no, it's over as in, it's, I think it's over as in congrats to Jeffrey on his world title. Okay, here's a question for you. If Jeffrey and Jeremy was in a burning building and you could only get one of them, which one would you get? None of James. This is the. I don't know. If, I don't know what your, your what your what your um your game is here. But the, the job that I do is to see who does well, and then talk about how well they did. That's what I'm doing here. Like Jeremy had the best ride of his career. Do you not want me to celebrate him? Really? I thought you only become a journalist to try and get in their campers and see him in their boxer shorts. Speaking of Jeremy, I did the podcast yesterday. Post race podcast presented by um, Fly Racing and that new Formula helmet. Uh, formula.flyracing.com for more on that. I interviewed Jeremy. Great interview. I enjoyed it. When I got back to the hotel, I suddenly thought to myself, huh? I need to get to the toilet. No, I got back to the hotel and I sat on my bed and randomly, out of nowhere, I was like, wait. Which is not out. Not out. I was sat and I randomly, just out of nowhere, I thought, beat it, Bishop. Oh my God. Out of nowhere, I thought, huh? Was I a bit of my first question? And I was like, shit, my first question may have been a bit dickish. And I was <laughs> so, like, a strange word to use. So do you want me to get your opinion on it? Why not? Okay. Because at this point, Jeremy finishing second is not news to me. At this point, I'm like, let's win. Like, let's, it's time to win now. Yeah. So my first question, I said, another amazing day. Your speed from Latvia clearly wasn't a fluke, and the win was so close. So, are we frustrated or are we disappointed, one or the other? What one? Because I was interested to know if he was frustrated, as in, oh my God, I'm so close to winning, it was so close, damn you. Or he was disappointed, like, oh, God sake, I missed it. And I was like, shit, maybe I shouldn't have got in with that. Maybe I should have just said to him, congratulations, talk about your great day. Yeah. And uh, what was his reply? Um, uh, a bit of both. Disappointed and frustrated. Yeah. Was he happy about anything? Maybe that was my. Maybe that means my question was. Oh no, he did say he was. He said, um, "What can I say? I'm happy to have one of my best performances in MXGP in one way, and I'm still, like you said, disappointed and frustrated." Actually, you know what? Pat myself on the back. Me going straight in with that question rather than just slapping him on the back and being like, "What a ride!" Like. Proper fucking interview that is. Yeah, well done you. No, I'm not. I'm not there just to play games. <laughs> funny, uh, you're not going to listen to the sewer podcast. So funny story from the sewer podcast. He was rambling on about how the sales so hard to pass. He's like, sales so hard to pass. And I inter- I cut in and interrupted him. I went, well, funny you say that. I interviewed Herlins in Latvia, and he was saying that the sale is so bad to pass, but so is sewer. So that was quite fun. Oh. 
Yeah, that is quite funny his answer because he was like, "Oh well, now I don't mind so much." That's that much. He was actually genuinely quite stoked when Herlin said that. Yeah, there we go. But Sewer wins. Sewer wins multiple GPs this year. I said it before. Stamp that. Okay, so um, you, you didn't really answer the question. So in the Brunin building, oh. uh, do you go for Jeremy or Jeffrey? Um, well, I don't know. People want to know. There's a Brunin building. Both of them are in there. You can only save one. Who are you going to get? I'm a people person. I'd save everyone. No, you're not. You can only save one person. So We've seen you in the gym. It's definitely one person. No, I think I feel like I'm quite capable of saving two. Okay, we'll rephrase this. Jeffrey and Jeremy are drowning in the sea. You can only swim and save one person. Now, we all know, we've seen you swimming. You can only save one person. <laughs> no, I'm not to be honest. Actually, actually, you're in the sea. Do you save yourself? Because <laughs> you're crap at swimming. Or Jeffrey or Jeremy? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'll be able to save anyone in that situation. So you're all going to die. Well done. You I'm just told. you just put a real dark cloud over MXGP. Well, I think you've just really fucked this podcast. <laughs> okay, let's... Um, speaking of... No, I better not say fucked, but... Um, kind of bad days didn't work out for him. Tim, it's, it's really? obviously not going quite well. No, because this is what I just said this in the first half. He rode really well. His lap times were really good. It was just bad starts, and that's going to happen to everyone this week. There's going to be situations where guys are whole shots and wins, and then in that moto, Hurlins will start eight for wherever guys have started um, and not come through and run good lap times, but ultimately end up fifth. Uh, I guess if you want to talk of negatives, then obviously the two crashes, I think, in the first moto wasn't great and cost him two points, really not much, um, but still a couple. So, yeah, like I said in the first half, he's just, I feel he is now in a, okay, got to respond. Like, there's no other choice. You've got to do something here. Like, let's stop the bleeding. This is, this, like, we need to, like, you need to just do something. You can't lose more points. There's no way this gap can go above 70. You're getting into, I think we're already in dangerous territory, but it, You've got to do something. As I'm, like, you've just got to start chipping away. That's where I'm at. But, so he, he's, he's dropped down to third in the points. Obviously, Corelli's now in front of him. And you're trying to say that it's not a car crash? It's not a car crash. Like I said, there's, what did I say, 12 rounds to go? So he's in it. If he can get it, I'd say now, the goal has got to be, okay, Let's get it back below one round, so below 50, which I would say, if things go his way, he could probably do by the time we lose Fien- uh, leave Fienza. So you think that, that Hurlins is, is, is going to, he's going to get 10 points on Hurlins in the next two rounds? Well, he actually needs 17. Given we've just described how well Hurlins has been. He needs, well, Geyser needs 17 over the next two rounds to get it below 50. Um, so, so this is what I'm saying is, is... Yeah, but let me finish. No, no. We've just, you've just said that he's won four of six and he's been very dominant. And now you're trying to say if Tim needs to get, uh, you know, 10 or 17 points back to get it under 50 or whatever. It's not going to happen, is it? Yeah, but you're missing the point. No, because, you're, again, you're, fall, you're falling into this same trap. Let's not... 
I because I also found myself doing this last night. I had to kind of give evidence myself, and data. No, I had to give myself a bit of a wake up call. I'm. Just, I don't think we need to describe that on the podcast. So, because I, I was falling into this same trap last night. This is Geyser's first meh round of the year. He was really good at the first two and undoubtedly the fastest rider in Latvia. Only mechanical failures stop that. So this is, this, you can't lean on Fienza 1 as this is Geyser. It was one meh round. It wasn't even terrible. It was just okay. Like, I don't... You're harping on it as if that defines his season. Up until that point, he's been phenomenal, and it was just bad starts because if you look at his lap times, he was really good. So what I'm saying is an equal, like I said. So Herlin's gained uh, quick maths, gained a difference between 43 and 25, is 18? 18, yeah. Yeah, so Herlin's uh, gained 18 alone yesterday on Geyser. So... All it would take is for Geyser to get the starts that Herlins did, and then Herlins get bad starts, and that could reverse, and then um, Geyser has a gap back below uh, 50. And obviously, that's still not great, but at least if you've got it below a round, you're quite, I feel like at least you're managing the situation at that point. It's basically, the next two rounds are big for Geyser. I think by the end of Fiennes are free, we will have a very good indication of what way this is going. Basically, whether we need to get a Hurlins Championship banner ready or not. Okay. Okay. So, but lost in all of this, lost in all of this is the fact that Caroli's second and rode really well at Fienza, a track that actually very well. really suit him and shouldn't be overlooked. No, it is a fantastic ride. I was, I was pumped for him and um, looked really good. And again, Prado looks super fast in, in uh, you know, Caroli was able to, able to pass him. It, it, I thought it was a, just, you're just waiting for him to, at what point is this guy going to slow down? But he's, he's not. He just seems to be very, very consistent. And just in, like, obviously, I'm guessing... As in everyone, speed. I'm guessing everyone wants to know what his status is on the knee and shoulder. Uh, he said he's really happy with his shoulder, no problems at all. He's really enjoying riding in now with his arm. His knee is bothering him a little bit, but not like to the point where it's holding him back. He's def- so he seems like he is in the best place he's been in all year, which is good. He's got some cartilage damage in his knee. So that means that there's a lot of fluid in the knee. And he said that he needs to wear a special brace to try and bend his knee in a different way during the week which I guess is something to do with fluid. Um, that's the biggest problem, but it's not really a stability problem. It's more of a pain problem. So he said he's doing some therapy with some PRP, which is something new to remake the cartilage within the knee. It works best for younger people, but he's given it a go anyway. Doesn't think the knee will need surgery at any point, but right, well, I guess we will see. Uh, and also said that he can't run anymore because of the knee, which is a bit, actually a bigger problem for him than you'd think because that's how he does all of his cardio. So he's now cycling and stuff, which he isn't used to, and trying to learn how to get the same fitness level he got by running with cycling. I feel like I just gave you quite a lot of insight. That was a huge amount of insight. Who knew that he preferred running to cycling, where most of the riders now... Obviously, you like cycling because it's low impact on the yeah, knees. Special, he's got to wear a special brace to bend his knee differently and everything. Like, oh, that's me done for the podcast, I reckon. Yeah, you clock out now, mate. 
Hmm. Do you that or you just... No, good insight. This is this is exactly why you're paid by MX Vice to find this shit out. This is actually informative. This is probably the most informative information you found us. Well done, you. Write down on a bit of paper, sewer, phenomenal. Yeah, or Tim guys are fucked. I don't think that would be the situation at all. You're definitely okay. overreading this geyser situation. Like, it literally, do like. Okay, is that a bird in your room, or is that just a whistle at your nose? Don't lean on Fienza 1 to define Geyser's season. Like, that's, I think that's what people are doing. And I, don't, I guess it's kind of... I think it's because the mechanical fails in, failures in Latvia make it seem as though it's trending downhill. But it's been fine, so leave it there. Okay, um, it's left. It's left. I'm moving on. Uh, yeah, you're just one of those people. Like, you need to look into the bigger picture, not just look, not focus so much on Fienza One. Um, okay. uh, yeah, what do you want to talk about now? Prado? Oh, I actually got uh, a bit of insight on Prado as well. Do you want that? Yeah, and then can we move on to Maxime Renault? So, Prado hasn't had much time on a bike since the Nations. You would presume that it was his bike fitness, which is why he faded in the second yeah. moment. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. Twist. It His was girlfriend's all, been wearing him out? It was a mental thing. Oh. He, um, his head went, basically. Where did it go? It's an expression. I'm trying to find, I'm trying to think what he said exactly. I'm just going from a document here. Uh, it was, I was feeling good physically in the second motor, like I said. I just messed up mentally and lost the focus. That's why I started making little mistakes. Then that, ha- then that causes me to become tired. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so he actually wasn't happy. He wasn't overly happy, but I chucked about as much positivity as it to, at him as I possibly could because it's like you've just led 25 minutes of each moto. Like, you're so close to being there that there's almost no question at this point that you've got what it takes to win an MXGP. So that's, I feel like, I genuinely feel like nothing but positivity on the, on the Prado front from Fienza 1. Yeah, performance uh, was was so good, and, and I, I just, you know, from my point of view, my expectation is he's missed so much already, and you know, recovered from two big injuries, and he's doing that, which is just unreal. Genuinely, Prado twenty twenty one, probably the thing I'm most excited to see what happens because I'm thinking that anything could happen. I bet Herlins isn't. Looking forward to 2021. Oh, but it's, it's just amazing, isn't it? Add another guy in that mix. Like, but to be fair, actually, on that point, we got a little glimpse of it because in the first moto in MXGP, Cardo was going, and I, I presumed he was pushing because I would say the first seven laps of the first MXGP moto, Cardo was the fastest rider on track, all seven of those, like just clocking them off, clocking them off every lap that went by. And I presumed he was pushing on, like sprinting early to build a gap. So second moto was very different. He kind of managed for pace, went the same speed as Jeffrey. So it's not like he was slower. And then halfway point, winked it up and started setting the fastest laps of the race again. So I presume that it was a strategy change. I presume that he felt like he gassed himself too quickly in the first moto and then wanted to kind of slow and steady build up in the second one. 
And he said that wasn't the case at all. He wasn't even pushing in the first one when he was doing those lap times. Uh, at which point I just went, oh, shit. If that wasn't you pushing, then what is coming? Like, what is coming? That is it. That's the question. Mm. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I, I just think it's, it's good that he's not pushing because I think he just needs to stay on two wheels and just run every week like he's doing. It's just about get him staying on the bike at the moment, I think, and getting used to the bike and, and everything else. We just we don't need another injury. Here's an interesting question that I wanted to ask you. Are you okay with me asking you question? Uh, is it a personal one or a, a, a motocross-related one? Uh, motocross-related. Okay, yeah, go. Who finishes second in this championship? I'm going to go Crowley. Presuming it goes away, presuming it continues in this trend, Hurlings does have a 60-point lead. Like, obviously, that's quite hard to throw away. Like, I don't want to, I don't want it to seem like we're just giving Hurlings the title after six rounds, but we can't ignore the fact that a 60-point gap is a lot. So, I, I'll put money on. I'll put. I'm happy to put a wager on now that the top three at the end of the year is is total domination by KTM. What? What? Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Uh, Hold on. No, no. Stand is eighth in the championship, 50 points behind Crowley. I, I, I think... Try around down on second in the championship. At the moment, and I know this might sound like a bit of a shock, but I can see him clawing back 50 points on Geyser, then I can see Geyser no. clawing 50 points back on Hurlins. But, no. Well, I don't... What, what has happened? Like... Geyser was good yesterday. I don't know what you think happened. And also, to that point, like, I'm high on Prado. I've just bloody told you that. But different, Prado gained, how, okay, Prado had a much better day than Geyser yesterday, didn't he? I bet you're well high on Prado compared to Geyser. Yeah? It's not that. It's, it Prado was gained. I'm, I'm looking at it from a performance point of view, and I think from what I've seen, um, Prado's getting better each week. and. I don't know. I did something not quite right in, in Camp Geyser. No, 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 no. What? Why are you saying that? Where, how is that your opinion? As my 15 minutes of TV, that's what I see. No. Oh, oh my days. I don't, know what to, I don't know what to do with you. Right. Oh, hold on. I'm getting some data for you because you like that. Okay. Hurlins, Sewer, Caroli, Geyser, or Prado? Who Dragon had the fastest lap out of those riders in Moto Two? Prado. No, Geyser. How did you not realise I was setting you up for that? Because <laughs> it just, I yeah, I was impressed. He was not impressed. No, I don't. I don't. I genuinely don't know how to win with you on this one. Geyser was just as fast as Prado, Hurlins, Sewer, Caroli, Febra. They were all the same speed. Like, literally, that's, I don't have an opinion on who was fastest out of those six. All six were basically similar level. Obviously, it fluctuated a little bit, but whatever. Out of those six, yeah. guys have got the worst start and therefore was not featured in the top three battle as much as the others. Now, like I said, he crashed twice in the first moto, which, that's his mistake. That's on him. Like, okay. But he still finished eighth, I think. So. I don't like he was what in amazing race two? In Latvia. No, in race one, he was amazing in Latvia. 
the bike problems why you're thinking that it's trending the wrong way. A one bike problem, which could happen to anyone. Like it didn't happen to guys who are in any of the other motors this year. Obviously, qualifying race it did, but that doesn't change anything. Yeah, I, I, I don't know with you. Are you trying to get fired from this podcast? Also, uh, by the way, uh, Fevre had a faster lap than Geyser. Yeah, I know he had. A, that's why I left him out of the list. He got, Fevre had the fastest lap of the second moto. But point stands. That doesn't change my point. And also, they were separated by um, less than a tenth with their laptop. Equally, that's great. Yeah. I don't, under, I don't know what you want. I don't know what you... I like, I genuinely... Guys, okay, here we go. Guys Hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Didn't Prado tip over in, in race two? No, race one. race one. Race one. Race one. Okay. Geyser wins Wednesday. Do you think Geyser's going to win Wednesday? Okay, I'm not overly confident on that, but he could. <laughs> it, all, it all depends on the start. That's like saying, that's like saying oh, th- there could be an asteroid hitting the Earth this year. Or not. I'm not overconfident on it. I can't really like I can't really make a pick because it all just comes down to the start on this track. But it could happen. If he gets a top three start, then sure. If he gets starts like he did on Sunday, then no. But no, like I say, Hurlings is gonna have good starts and bad starts. Same with all of them. The only rider who's probably gonna have consistently good starts is Prado. And that's because he's Prado. Speaking of starts, how nice is it to have an MXGP track that doesn't favour the inside gate? Oh, yeah, I love that. Quite nice, isn't it? Just to, just to see the variation in gate pick and stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Admit you're wrong. What? Admit you're wrong. Well, on what? I don't know. Whatever we were just talking about, I can't remember. What. <laughs> I don't remember what I think of. <laughs> I'll stand by my statement that Prado will catch Geyser on points rather than Geyser catching Hurlins on points. Well, that's not really a thing, is it? Like, that's not really relevant. That's like going... It's just not relevant, is it? Like, those two but, things don't go together. But all I'm going to say is that at the end of the year, Prado will be third. He'll make up, he'll make up the, what, 40 points? Yeah, 40, yeah, 40 points. 43 points on um, Geyser. I'm all about Prado. I'm there, for, I'm there for the hype. I'll buy all of the stock you want. But you are doing Geyser a massive disservice. You know what? Let's leave it, let's leave it at this. You're an idiot. Uh, and you've got a whistle up your nose or your ass. I can't it tell. It's angering me so much and my body doesn't know how to handle it. Well, whistling's not going to help you. So, so, you, so, you, so you don't... Okay, there we go. Are you just counting Jeremy out then? Did you speak to Arminus the weekend? Are you just counting Jeremy out then in this battle for second in the championship? No. Well, no. I don't understand where he fits into this picture you've just created over there. Um, yeah, I did, I did forget about him. That, but let's that, move on because we're all bored no, no, no. I need you to finish your point. Did you speak to Arminus the weekend? Just finish your point. Where does Jeremy fit into your little fantasy world? Possibly second. <laughs> He's, He's looking it. really good. And that's all I needed. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> it's all bullshit. Everything. It's all <laughs> weird. Me just, it's, 
there's, what's happened, I presume that what's happened on this podcast is he's on his phone and he's seen a photo of a KTM on Instagram and he's gone, oh, that looks nice. And now he's just all KTM. <laughs> he's seen a photo of a Hooserberg and he'd be going on about some Hooserberg rider. Now, actually, I'll, 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 re- I'll change my top three to Hurlins, Seawer, and Caroli, then Prado, then Geyser. Even more ridiculous, but we're moving on. How do you think Geyser? How do you think Geyser is the fifth best rider in this class after what we saw at the first two rounds and Latvia? It's fucking beyond me. No, oh, I just just. I look forward to talking to Honda about this on Wednesday. Let me tell you. Oh, yeah, I'm sure Roger would love to talk about that. Okay, so let's go back to Arminus. What happened? It just didn't get starts. It's not really an Arminus track, is it? Didn't get starts, and it's not an Arminus track. It's just not. Was it not a Koldenhoff track either? No, Koldenhoff was a weird one, actually. It just, because he was good in qualifying, just wasn't quite there. Anymore. Was the opportunity not there? Not going down that road again. You're not dragging me in. <laughs> I'm over it. You've got me one with life. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to find his little quote thing, just so, because I read it last night. I didn't really. There's not really much to it. It's not like there's some massive um, um, like secret that came out. Uh, he just said, not quite the day I was looking for. I felt great in practice and qualifying and was seventh fastest. And again, I tweeted in practice. Looks good. Uh, he said, we're all quite similar in pace. The seventh is okay. Starts weren't great. Uh, reaction time was a little slow. And again, the start on this track is so important. So it was a tough race all the way to the end. My starting race two wasn't much better, but I came back to eight. So effectively... Same thing, just needed to start. Okay, I'm going to ask you something. Who had the better performance at the weekend, Geyser or Koldenhoff? Geyser? What okay, well, his better performance was only by two points. So you have to put that in perspective. Well, what perspective is that? We're not talking points with those two. You ask, I'm looking at Geyser's second moto and the fact that he was within striking distance of the lead. But he wasn't. Because he didn't, he finished fifth. That within striking distance doesn't mean you have to win. Was it like nine seconds? That was at the checkered flag. At one point, with like five laps to go, Geyser was sixth or fifth and four seconds down on the leader. Because I tweeted, this is insane. The top six are four seconds apart with five laps left. Yeah, but it was nine seconds at the flag. So he wasn't within yeah, striking it was, distance. It kind of changed. His striking distance was like three corners before. Well, no, after I think you know what We've, there's been a lot of talk about you quitting this podcast I think we <laughs> might have a plot twist and I might fucking pat my bags <laughs> <laughs> right um, is there anything else you want to discuss about MXGP um, yeah I know you really don't want to be here but <laughs> <laughs> maybe my most actually I won't go that far maybe one of my most impressive riders Tixie no Paul Ann. Okay. Haven't seen that Paul Ann in quite a while. And I was like, oh my God, this is Paul Ann. Like, this is what you can do. I remember. I believe. He was on for a 5-4 day. You know what? You could probably, you, the sixth group I said, you could probably put him in there. Maybe a tad off, but he was in the mix. I think, had he not had his massive crash into a banner, which amazingly continued after that. 
he would have been on for a 5-4 day, a 5-3 day, whatever. So, yeah, he had a really decent day, so I was impressed by that. Do you want me to run through them quickly like we do so I can get you out of MXGP as quickly as possible? Yeah, if we could, that'd be great. We're all bored of it, to be honest. It's only you that's talking about it. DeSalle crashed after Latvia and tweaked his back and neck quite badly and didn't know if he was even going to race. Oh, so, I at my back yesterday. I had to move some boxes. So I know exactly what he's going through. Didn't train or anything in the lead up to the race. Uh, so that explains his epic fade. But he had decent starts. So that's something. Sometimes you just got to bite down now. Like when I was putting him in the back of the oh. truck, I just gritted my teeth and got on with it. No one even paid me. What else? Uh, Monticelli faded quite bad, but he was sick. So that's no good. Tonus crashed in the second race and tweaked his ankle, had x-rays, it came back, but nothing was broken or fractured. So he's thinking that it might just be a bad sprain. But I would say that questionable for Wednesday, maybe. Okay. Uh, uh, Guio is out for the little next little bit with medical reasons. So I need to text him and find out. I literally found out about that like five minutes before we start this podcast. Ah, okay. Uh, right. That's literally what the team put. Guio is out of the upcoming GPs with medical reasons. Oh. So, doesn't, don't oh. know if those medical reasons are, like, truthful. Like, hey, I don't know if the medical reason is you need to go faster. I don't know if that's for medical reason, but... Or it could be uh, a past sexual conquest. Okay, brilliant. Yeah. Oh, I'm happy to leave MXGP there if you want. Jacoby had a good one in the second race. That was kind of his first good one since Matley. That was all right to see. Uh, uh, I, think, I think a little... I thought Tixier put in two consistent rides. Yeah. I, I think you've got to give him some credit for 11th overall. Yeah, you've got to give him some credit. Well, he's on his own team now as well. So all this talk coming into the year about um, Simpson and Strybos and the own team people, and Tixier's just turned up halfway through the year and it's kidding it. Yeah. Well, maybe not killing it. Maybe that's a bit of an overstatement. But... Oh, I think he's doing really well. He's the top, top privateer rider. Well, yeah, but on that point, if you want to say fair play to Tixier, the riders in front of him are Jazakonis, Paul Ann, Evans, Coldenoff, Geyser, Prada. Like, if you look at the riders in front of him... All factory teams. Yeah, you'd say that 11th is kind of his ceiling. Like, you wouldn't expect him to beat any of those guys, would you? Well, that's what I'm saying. I thought, I thought that was a, a, a bloody good performance. Yeah, credit where it's due. It's just nuts, though. When you, like, when you look at this and you look at, from like Tixier, you've got DeSalle, Trevelin, Rupino, Van Horby, Walsh, Blanderen, Jacoby, Monticelli, and then Rochenecker. Decker. Rochenecker. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, and do you want to talk a little bit about Thomas Covington? Uh, I have no information. Cool. Um, there we go, then. That's MXGP. Are you happy? Did I get that for that quick enough for you? Yeah, thank fuck for that. Let's let's go for a break. We'll be back in five guys. Uh, five guys. Maybe we should try and get sponsored by them. That works. I'd like to thank Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Yoko York, Rock Racing Parts, Technical Touch, Hinson, KYB, Seven, Even Strokes, Kawasaki UK, and Talon Engineering. Are you happy with your performance in the part two, Lewis? To be honest, I don't even know what my performance was like, but the answers that you were giving to the questions were shocking. Yeah. Um, just so you know, Planet Motor Holidays provide accommodation, meals, transport, and more. 
An eight-day holiday costs just £845. Visit planetmoto.co to find out more and book one of the available slots in October or November. Don't forget your free T-shirt. We'll be back in five. See you, see you then. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to top flight motocross with a bang. The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com. The MX Vice Show. We're back. Episode 44 of this utter car crash. I'd like to thank Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Yoko Europe, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, Hinson, KYB, Seven, Even Strokes, Kawasaki UK, and Talon Engineering. Kawasaki Motors UK are pleased to announce that the all-new 2021 Kawasaki KX250X and KX450X cross-country racers will be coming to our shores. Based on the highly advanced Kawasaki KX range, highly, both of these cross-country motorcycles have received specific cross-country tuning that encompasses their engine, suspension, brakes, wheel size, gearing, enduro tires, side stands, and skid plates, making both the KX250X and KX450X more attractive for cross-country competitors. Anticipated to arrive in the UK in November 2020, contact your local Kawasaki off-road dealer or visit the website for more information. Now, if these bikes are as good as my factory Kawasaki 250F, then you guys are in for a goddamn treat. Can I, there we go, can, Lewis. What are you doing? Can I make a suggestion? Well, we could stop it if you want. No, it's a personal suggestion to you. Oh, fuck's sake. What now? If you're looking to get a 2021 Kawasaki or even a helmet from someone, perhaps we need some more in-depth details from you about your Kawasaki and what it's actually helped you with, rather than it's just made you go three seconds a lap faster. 
is it now what we just need? Everybody just wants to go faster. So if you get a Kawasaki, you get faster. They gave you a 2020 KX250, and you've just referred to it as your factory Kawasaki, which is kind of mis-selling your, your product because you've not told people that you've got the same product that they buy. How very dare you? I am in Team Green. Well, I don't know what is wrong. What, have you got outside wrong bed again? No, or just <laughs> outside wrong bed. Okay. <laughs> I have actually, um, I, I took it back to Kawasaki. Uh, about... Actually, I saw this photo. Yeah, I saw a photo of you at Kawasaki. Yeah, I had to go back about a month ago um, because the bike is just, uh, you know, ridiculously fast. So, um, you know, for a, for a junior rider like myself, a lot of people have been complaining about um, that I should go to um, intermediates sometimes. There are even talks about maybe the expert class. Uh, however, I'm quite happy in the junior class, so I had to go back and get a new paraband put in there to make it less ferocious. I just feel like that's not. I just feel like you're only sold to Kawasaki there. Uh, look, it, as far as everybody needs to know, uh, beyond any doubt, the 2020 Kawasaki KX250 is the bike. If you're not, if you're not on a Kawasaki KX250, then it's just a shit show. You, you have got to start looking at yourself. Ask Barame. Look at Barame. Barame has basically got the same bike as me. And, uh, you know, look how good he looks. If you want to look as good as Barame, uh, you want to look as good as Rowan and, and Burfield, then get yourself a Kawasaki. It's, it's all you need in your life. Forget, you know, women, drugs, and stuff like that. Your drug is a Kawasaki. Okay. How, how was that? Was that better? No, I'm sure that equally they don't want you to refer to their product as a drug. Why not? Maybe like, I'm just thinking that maybe you need to say something like um, how the power is manageable for an average rider like yourself or the stock suspension actually was quite... Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you want about average? <laughs> Experienced oh, rider of wisdom. Subpar rider like yourself. When when are we riding? Because everybody keeps asking the same question. I'm not riding ever. I'm just well, good to... good news. Good news. We have an even strokes ride day coming up in October. I'm uh, MX. You're what? I'm MX Vice. Oh no, I've hired MX Vice um, to report on a day. <laughs> you probably won't talk to me about that because MX Vice's schedule for October is fully booked. No, we have not. very. I spoke to the sub-editor, uh, Sean Ogden, and he said he'd love to be involved. Okay. So wherever Sean goes, you go. Um, we'll talk about that after because our October is very busy. Whatever. But yeah, so uh, you're going to be there with the bike. So just Where is it? You know. uh, Winchester. So it's quite, quite close. Oh, I was hoping it was going to be further away from that. So I had a possibility. No, I won't be around anyway. We're very busy in October. No, no, you will be. You will be. Is it on a weekend? Do it for the kids. Is it on a weekend? No, midweek. It's going to be on a day that you're not going to the airport either. Don't you worry. I've got it all planned. All right. Anyway, moving on. Right, okay. Let's talk about MX2. Maxime Renault, absolutely fucking phenomenal. What a ride. How, how he handled that pressure. Now, you need to start getting on this bus and start being a believer. I've been oh, talking oh. to you about Renault for a long, long time. And Barami. Both, both, both kids, phenomenal. 
I, I don't know if I can match your excitement level there. I just think you need to just, I don't know, you know, get off your little love triangle, what you got going on in MX2, and get on this one. This is happening. This bus is moving. Uh, so, um, Renault was the 46th different rider to win an MX2 overall and the 12th French rider to do it. And also the best place Yamaha. <laughs> yes, that's also a great stat. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> the winner of from, the race is the best place Yamaha. Who would have thought? From I, a private, privateer team as well. Oh, okay, so let's, let's back it down on that. Well, just saying. It's a support. It's a Yamaha-supported satellite team. Like, it's not a private yeah. team. Yeah, I, I, I. Is uh, what engine is Renault using? Is he oh, using I, a Star engine? Um, actually, I think he's uh, on the um Renault one. I believe, if I remember right. I I had this conversation like six months ago. But I believe, if I remember right, he's on the Renault. If only we had a journalist in Italy. You know what? I actually tried my bloody hardest and went to interview Renault because I was like, you know what? Let's talk to this guy. Went over to his team truck. Walked, Be a good fucking idea, wasn't it? Went over to his team truck, said to someone, is Maxime around? And they didn't speak a word of English, shrugged their shoulders, and I was like, okay, I'm done. Well, why don't you try and learn some French? Well, it's an Italian team. And go, one. well, if you just said they're French. What? I thought you just said the French. No one spoke a word of English. Okay, so say ciao. <laughs> you can even say, well, let, let's do a little bit. Like, like if you're going over, just try and be. Someone who's desperate to get off of this podcast. You don't seem to be doing a very good job of hurrying. <laughs> well, I just think you need to be a bit more open minded about this stuff. You need to go over. You need to be like not as, as defensive as you usually are. Just try and be relaxed. I am relaxed. Friendly. Ciao. Uh, my name is Lewis Phillips. I'm a dick. And they'll go, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yes, we heard of you, and you are a dick. Okay. And uh, yeah, that breaks the ice. Um, no, nah, fair play to Renault. Fair play to him. It was they all speak point. English. You just walk over there, you go, oh, fuck's sake, nice brick again, right? Nobody, nobody pretend we know English. I would have thought that he would have crumbled and not gone all the way in that second moto, to be honest. I, would have, I didn't think that he was going to hold on the entire way. And then randomly I looked up, saw there was three minutes left, and I was like, oh, wow, he might actually do this. So, no. does it happen again? Yes, 100 fucking percent. What, are you saying this year or this week? This, this year. It wouldn't surprise me if he went out and won again on Wednesday. I'm, I'm not there, personally. Yeah. Um, no, fair play. It's a decent ride. I was going to say, yeah. um, anyway, the question, before Renault won, I was thinking a good question to ponder was um, who will be the next rider to win an MX2 GP, like first-time winner? So now that Renault's done it, who do you think will be the next first-time winner to win an MX2 GP? Because you've got, like, Jed, Rarame, Moosteik, uh, Watson, uh, Harris. Moosteik. Okay. Yeah, Moosteik or Brahame. It's going, to be, it's going to be one of the F&H guys. Equally, something that I was thinking about on Sunday was how shocking is it that Renault, like, Renault got a win before the F&H ride? If I was betting before Fienza and you said, um, who's going to win first, one of the F&H riders or 
Renault, I would have bet on FNH all day long, as I think. Most yeah, but I think from the start of this year, and also I would say the latter part of last year, you've been very dismissive of Renault. No, I haven't been dismissive of him. All I've said is he. I've not. I've not once have I commented on his speed, potential, technique, or whatever. All I've said is that you just forget about him. Like you just like he he just I don't know I just you just forget about him randomly but not anymore he's won a GP so fair play. Tell you what though, a lot of people do forget. I thought about this in a second moment. A lot of people forget that Renault is the same Renault who was battling with Prado, Natsuki, and Muse in 2015 on 125s. Because if you remember that year when Prado, Natsuki, and Muse were the KTM 125 team under Everts, there was always one pesky Yamaha that kept like getting in there, and it was Renault. And I feel like people forget about that, that that was the same guy, because there were injuries and stuff in between then and now, which has kind of caused his height level to drop a bit, I guess. So one of the... Um... A couple, well, obviously the first Latvian round, we had Ruben Fernandez, which, um, you know, put it out there and was quite prominent in the first one and made people kind of like stand up. But Jan, Jan, Jan the man, Pankar. What do you know about Pankar? He's Slovenian. Tell us about Jan Pan. Or Car for Slovenian. Okay. Car and, and for... oh, short. Um, I'm trying to find because this isn't new. Pankar did have a good ride. I want to say it was at Imola at some point. Tenth flat at Imola last year. He got tenth in Moto One, and the class wow. was deeper at that point as well. Got tenth for Imola in Moto One uh, behind Vlandering. Um, Prado, Olsen, Renault, Gertz, all those lot. So it's not new. He does randomly, occasionally bust one out. But rather than talk about Jan Pankar, I'm thinking <laughs> we're talking about the yeah. title. Hey, hey, Jan. Nice one for knocking one out. Always good for you to come once a year. What? <laughs> you just said they busted one out. Oh. Ha, ha, ha. Um... <laughs> uh, um <laughs> What? Um, so MX2 title fight. Oh, yeah. It's down to three points. All right, here's a question for you. Oh, Who's okay. the next person to bust one out? <laughs> <laughs> Life must be quite difficult for you. Being <laughs> mentally impaired. <laughs> right, who's your top three? Who's, who's going to be the first, second and third ones to bust one out? Oh, okay. Next. <laughs> I'm going to go with Lesbianardo. What? You know, you know how we had to talk about how when you find something funny, you need to let it go? Remember <laughs> we had that discussion? What? So, MX2 title fight. It's down to three points. Really? You've got £50 on Gertz. I've got £50 on Vial. How confident are you that you are winning this bet? Yeah, did I pick Gertz? Yep, I picked Vial. We bet £50. Yeah, I'm fucking all over that. Do you okay. want to do do put that to 100? What, you're that, you really believe you're that there that, that Gertz wins this? Yeah. Um, there's still nothing in it for me, really. Like, I, I can see why you would argue that Gertz is going to win it, but also I don't see why you would argue that Vial isn't. Like, Vial's done nothing wrong at this point. 
what I find interesting um, is that the person who you kind of like, you know, kind of fades in the background and is not da 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 is third in the championship. Okay. I'm not. Okay. Okay. Third it, in the championship. Okay. Just, I don't know why you're and there. Not, and no not way. just, and not just third, like by a couple of points. He's third by, you know, 18. Yes. <laughs> That's not fluke. That's, he's been grinding. No, no, what? You've missed. You've misrepresented what I've said completely. Shocker! Basically, what you do every week. I have previously said that you just forget about Renault because, for whatever reason, he doesn't get the hype. That's no comment on his speed or potential. He just doesn't necessarily get talked about much or really recognised for what he does. But obviously, that this GP win is going to uh, change that. Anyway, moving on. MX2 title fight. Vial was. Good again, I think. It could have obviously been a lot better had he not crashed in the first moto, but the fact that, again, he got up from the crash and finished a strong fourth was, again, like, okay, well done for not losing your head. Well done for keeping, like, well done for salvaging something good of this. But equally, Gertz was also great, so I don't know what way this is going to go. But it's been a long time since we've had an MX2 title fight like this, let me tell you. Oh, I know, let me tell you. Yeah, definitely. Gertz, going to win. I, I like what I'm seeing. Okay, didn't realize that was what I said. But um, one thing that I feel like we were robbed a little bit of, and one thing to watch out for on Wednesday is in the first moto, not having Albi Frato out there. In the first moto on Sunday, uh, when Vial was leading, Vial was consistently quicker in that first half than Gertz. And then two laps on the two laps before Vial crashed, Gertz randomly upped his pace, and he did it in the second moto as well. Actually, halfway point, Gertz just randomly found another second. So I was interested to see if he was actually going to close Vial down or not. But obviously Vial crashed and we never got an answer to that. So straight up, I don't actually know who's the better rider around this track. So that's an interesting one for um, Wednesday. I am a little bit concerned about my bet with Cyril Genot. Oh, if Vial wins this and Genot doesn't get in the top 10, I'm £100 richer. It's great. Yeah, I've got to be honest. Gertz is, is I'm, I'm there with that. I'm, I'm quite happy. Um, but, you know, if you're listening, you know, you need to fucking pull your finger out because this is going to cost me. It's not just money. It's, I believe in you. Believe in yourself. How, who was the other guy you had in the bet to get the top 10? Tom Guyon. How's he doing? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> I think you're so funny. People that don't know, he's not even an MX2 rider. <laughs> so... So, uh, what uh, me that guy on would finish in the top 10 in MX2, not even realizing that he's not an MX2 rider? Uh, that's next year, that's my prediction for next year. Oh, sorry, yeah, sorry, you have no information on him, you have no information that he's actually going to move up next year either. Yeah, anyway, he's, he's all good. I want to speak to you about Harrop. Oh, I don't have much to say. Other what's, than the train off the tracks. That, because the it was so good at the start of the year. It was so good at the start of the year. The podium at Matley seems a long time ago. I don't know. Well, this is kind of Harrop. He is a bit of a crasher. He has been all his career. Yeah. What, what else is there to say? The, the potential's there. He got on the podium at Matley. So it's there. Just need to 
get the train back on the tracks, keep it consistent, and I guess he'll get back there. Like in, at the Dutch ONK, um, the weekend before Bayenza, he pushed Moosedike all the way in the second moto and almost won the thing. So clearly, it's not a talent thing or a potential thing or anything like that. It's just a fact of kind of it's not going right in the slightest at GPs at the moment. But that is this class. It's it's all developing talent for the most part. Like yeah. one thing, um, what I was hoping that you'd be able to fill me in, um, being the the guy in the know. What was the reasoning behind Bob Brashev and Gilbert not going to the GPs? I, I believe it's because they're a Husqvarna UK team. So. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> Brilliant. So, did you see the first lap of the first MX2 moto? And the only reason why I asked that is because Gilbert's doing, been doing, doing uh, well in MX2. It was just well, a strange... If you want to talk about that, then I am interested to see what happens. Because potentially that means they, they raced it in Britain on Sunday, um, but they're potentially free to race on Wednesday and Sunday if they want to. And then the same goes for Mantua because the British MX National Series clashes with one of the three Mantovas, but not the other two. So does that mean that Bobrashev and Gilbert are just going to miss six GP rounds? In this, even though they only, only really have to miss two. So I'm interested to see what happens there. But was there like any, any announcement or PR at all? What went out? Yeah. So you just got to kind of like, well, just. No, you're going to be excited on what, what grinds my gears. No, I, I, I just weird because it was just like for someone who's doing so well in MX2, I, I thought he was doing, having a really good season in MX2. Oh, yeah, Latvia was a big step forward. Yeah, it just seems a strange decision to. Especially when it's, it's last year as well in MXD. So you would have thought you'd take that opportunity with, with both hands. But... Okay, so... Um... <laughs> Again, you're saying he should have taken that opportunity with both hands. It's not up to him. Okay. No, I, I know. I know it's not up to him. It's, it's, it's... We're gonna have a, I'm going to do a workshop with you before the next one. See if we can improve you. Whatever. Um, that's even if I'm still there. Or me. Guadagini. <laughs> what a what a rider. Or, or Guadagnini. <laughs> yeah, I like I like my version better. Oh Be shorter. Right, did you see the first lap of the first MX2 moto? Uh no, because everything was blurred. Okay. So uh, I guess you go to watch the highlights, I presume it's in, because Moose Dyke bounces off riders like a wrecking ball. And it's quite funny. Okay. Uh I wonder if the replay is going to be as bad as the, the live. Equally, after you've watched that, head to the post-race podcast to hear a recap of that from me and Jed Beaton. Okay. But also, props to Jed Beaton, who finished fifth overall on the day, but did win best MX Vice post-race podcast presented by Fly Racing. You're very proud of that one, weren't you? It's just quite... I, I was, it was quite... It was quite um, uh, I'd say entertaining is the word. Well, how how do you think that would be ranked in the comedy club? Would that be a, a top five? Um. Well, you listen to it and you get back to me. What would be a good idea is maybe if you'd listen to these before the podcast because it's kind of good information for you. Huh. Anyway, you're off track massively, so I'm getting this back on track. Uh, well, I'm kind of bored of MX2 now. Do you want to just okay. run over it? 
Yeah, okay. Do it. Basically, basically, this podcast is James chatting absolute shit, shit, randomly going, okay, I'm bored now, you just do it properly for me, and then we move on. That's basically what happens. Gertz and Vial, nothing to separate them. Interested to see what happens moving forward. I genuinely don't know which way this is going to go. Gertz. Bra was all right, Bra-Ramay. but I thought, I thought he was going to be in the Renault category of winning rounds here. Like, if... I, if there was someone who I would have bet on doing what Renault did, I would have put my money on Bra So still, still Wednesday, bro. Still Wednesday. Yeah, I just I'm interested to see what happens because he was better in Latvia than he was on Sunday, and I thought it'd go the other way. Beaten can't stay off the ground on the first lap, so came from last to sixth in the first moto, which I didn't even realise. But that's a really good ride. Uh, Olsen is a lot healthier than he was in Latvia. But this whole week is kind of not about results. It's all about just bike time, staying healthy. And then come Mantova, he will be in a position to say, I want podiums, I want wins. But quietly, a little bit of a surprise is Husqvarna haven't had one MX2 podium this year. Who would have thought that? Crazy. Conrad Muse was, had, I would say, his best ride ever in the first MX2 moto. Uh, it was clearly faster than Viao at points and could have quite easily been second or third. Second moto crashed twice, but momentum seems to be rolling in a, in the good direction, and that is the biggest thing when it comes to Muse. Uh, Muse Dyke, I don't even know why he DNF the first race. He crashed, and I think yeah, I, I think, don't know. I think from the from from the the five minutes of footage that I could actually see, yeah, I think from the from the resulting crash, something happened to his bike. I think. Yeah, I thought that as well. Um, uh, ben Watson crashed on the first lap of the MX2 first moto as well as did many riders and damaged his front brake lever in some way I'm trying to find the quote just so I don't uh, fuck it up here I'm struggling to find it, I'm sorry about this okay, um, but he had a bad day found it, found it. Oh. he said race one took a good start and was riding in third, actually that's a point his first lap Moving forwardness was very good. Uh, crashed in a wet spot, broke front lever, tried to continue and realised it was not safe. Stopped to repair it, but after the front wheel was locking and I couldn't finish the race. Race two, mediocre start, and then missing the first race, it took him too long to get in a rhythm in the second race, and at that point, obviously, the thing was over. Uh, so yeah, he had a bit of a rough one. Is actually having a, some terrible luck this year. Same goes for Olsen. Watson and Olsen have had just terrible luck. Which is genuinely like, genuinely a shame to see for both of them because this what this is their last shot in MX2, so to have bad luck ruin that is shit. Uh, where was I on the old results sheet? Ruben Fernandez was not as great as Latvia, but that's what you're going to get. Um, he's going to even down. mentioned Rubini. Oh, I've been on this Rubini train. If you look at MX5, okay, first of all, well, well, I don't. If you're on the train, why have you just? Skipped over him. If you go someone back, who likes to go down the results. If you go back to MX5's from Qualify. Every week, you make shit up. If you go back to MX Vice's tweets uh, from qualifying on Sunday morning, I said that would not be surprised if Renault won. Chink for me. I said that Rubini is due a good ride and will surprise people at this track. Chink for me. And I said also lots of other things, which were correct. So yay for me. 
I, I have absolutely no idea who Gianmarco Cenarelli is, but he got me eight points on MX Manager. So thank you, Gianmarco. Kevin Horgmo had 13th in first motor. That's decent. He's had terrible luck. Don't know what happened to the 114 riders, but I'm still waiting for Bailey Malkowicz or Mike Wazowski to, to do something. To just do something. Uh, Crawford's been good, like I've said a few times, but they both had tough days, and I'm wondering if maybe it has something to do with just going to such a stereotypical old-school European track. Like, If you remember when Covington first came over to GPs, it was tracks like Trentino, which he really struggled on. So maybe it's the same for these Australians coming over. I would quite like to interview Mike Wazowski and Nathan Crawford, but I can't figure out which one is which when I see them. So I need to get a hat. <laughs> good, good, good journalism. <laughs> it's great that you do a lot of research for your job in the wrong areas. Uh, and Jeremy Sado came back to GPs and then promptly broke his foot. So that's fine. Oh, that's a shitter. Well, there you go. What's the wrap on MX2? Thank you. Um, rider to win a GP in MX2? I thought we just done that. And I Did said Fab Who are you saying? Uh, I'm Guarani. Say, ah, why did you fall over? Uh, yeah, I actually did almost just fall off my chair. Um, I would have said <laughs> I would have said Bra Romani, but yep. Sunday kind of killed my hype level a little bit. Equally did with Rowan. I don't know. I don't think we see another GP winner for the next little while. I think we're going to go back to the Gertz and Bial show. Which, hands up, I was wrong. I did not think this year would turn into the Gertz and Bial show. But it is very much for Gertz and Bial show. Um, yeah. Sorry. Right. As Lewis has dragged this goddamn show out as long as it is, we have to go for another goddamn break. I would oh. like to thank these sponsors who are getting some fantastic uh, time on the show today because Lewis is just dragging shit. Huge thanks to Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Yoko Europe. Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, Hinson, KYB, Seven, Even Strokes, Kawasaki UK, and Talon Engineering. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring rayon technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1,290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the formula helmet has changed the game. Visit formula.flyracing.com for more on the helmet and flyracing.com to see their 2021 line of gear. I'm James. That was Lewis. We will be back in five with hopefully three questions. See you then. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to Top Flight Motocross with a bang. The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. 
Go to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to part 69 of the MX Vice podcast show, brought to you by Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Yoko Europe, Prox Racing Parks, Technical Touch, Hinson, KYB, Seven, Even Strokes, Kawasaki UK, and Talent Engineering. I'm James Burfield. We are, interestingly, still on episode 44, although it feels like 47. Okay, in this part of the show, we have uh, Lewis taking over for the Liat Ask Vice Anything because he's been so lazy this week, he's not managed to even type up the questions. Did you know that the Liat neck braces are proven to reduce the risk of serious injury by up to 47%? Do you know that it's highly adjustable to fit riders of all levels? Redefine your limits with confidence and choose Liat, sponsors of this Ask Vice Anything segment. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Off you go, Lulu. What, are we questions? Uh-huh. So, question numero uno. Uh, at edward.g05 on Instagram, said, do you think having an age limit on a 250 classes is good? Do you want to take that one, Jane? <laughs> <laughs> you, you to, I'm sorry, I don't know what you think is happening here, but you do have to contribute. <laughs> I was, I was just about to go out. I was going to get a cup of tea. I'm, I'm, I thought you were just going to carry it on and just finish off the show. Oh, no. Okay. Well, oh, I have to chip in then. I guess I like the 250 age limit. I, I didn't like it. I do like it. However, I don't know. I um, I do like it. I didn't like it. But it's still something not quite right. Not 100% right. I don't know whether they need to lift it to like 25. Um, but it's, it's done what we, we it was, it's done what Ustream wanted. It's made the MXGP class as awesome and as competitive as it is now. The, the thing I would say is that it just seems to, you know, that not that it's all about the MXGP class, but. I think I'd just like to see the age limit kind of reach to about, you know, 25. I think if, I mean, Prado and other people have proved that if you're young enough and you're, and you're fast enough, it, it, age doesn't matter. It's not about being young enough or whatever. If, if you're fast enough, you're going to win. So whether someone's 23, 24, 25 makes zero difference. And you've only got to look at Viao in, in, in Gertz and in the, in the other young riders. 
So I, I think I think now's a good time to kind of look at it and just say we're gonna open it up to twenty twenty-five and in then you can have five, six, seven years in, in four fifties. Why not? It's done the job. I think it's just fine. Like I don't think it's really caused any problems as of late. And if you look at the American rule, you can find faults with the American rule for getting out of the two fifty class. So I don't think you're ever going to get a perfect system, but I think it is just fine at the moment. There's not like I'm pretty sure that both Olsen and Watson are fine for next year, which is good. That means that it's not costing people their careers or anything like that. So it's all fine, I think. Do you know what I'd like to see? I don't. This podcast end. Uh, yeah, and my number two would be a one-two-five world championship. Okay, next, next. Tony Saunders 58 on Instagram said, any track changes? Uh, like I said earlier, I don't see what the hell they could do here. Like, there's, it's just so set in stone what this layout is. So I don't know what they could possibly do. Maybe they'll try to add a jump, but I don't know where they'll get that dirt from because it's so solid and hard packed. Actually, on that note, before coming here and the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the weather forecast for the week said there was going to be a lot of storms this week, not on the race days, but around them. So I was thinking that the track would, it was meant to storm today, actually. So I was thinking that the track would be quite a bit softer for those days. Uh, this morning, the forecast changed and it's now 33 degrees and sunny every single day we're here. So oh wow, the track should get more concrete as we go on. Moto at Moto underscore cross underscore 445 on Instagram, said, do you ride bikes too? That's just a terrible question. Uh, the answer to that is yes. So I'm currently an experienced rider, uh, riding for Team Green Kawasaki in the junior class. Um, I'm there just because, uh, you know, just to, to represent the working class people um, like myself. And I actually still really enjoy uh, riding. Uh, Lewis... It's just been a complete turd over the last four years and has walked away. Spat over the last four years? I haven't ridden in eight years. Yeah, even, that's even worse. I was trying to help you. But if you want to throw yourself even further down the, the hole, then you carry on. So, yeah, some, some of us do ride, but Lewis chooses not to. He, he feels it's better to critique people um, than ride. Well, you critique my work and you don't ride. Well, I do. I read a blog the other day. <laughs> I read it and I laughed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's my top five Fox kits from 2021. Yeah, it made me laugh. Um, uh, okay. Head over to Even Strokes as well if um, you, you want to buy um, any new race parts. Well, you've screwed yeah. Even Strokes over today because you don't want to play the Are You Smarter Than a Birth game. Uh, so. shit. It's a shit game. No one wants... It. Toy no, um, no one wants that game. No one likes it. Everybody's texting me and messaging me saying, you've got to speak to Lewis about removing that section of the show because it is shit. No one finds it funny. It's just, it's just distress. It's just distress. At, <laughs> it's such a mess. At Tom Cumber 22 said, in your opinion, after yesterday, are Geyser's championship hopes slipping away? Oh, they're over. Done. Okay, we'll go. I don't. Okay, it's not over. It's finished. It's not. It's finished. But, you're is fit. it panic button time? It's going to be fifth in the championship. It's, it's that oh. hard. Is it panic button time? Yes. 
Maybe. I, I'm willing to not press the panic button until we see how the next two races go. My but button's fact, so, so it's my I've pressed my button so much it's stuck. I'm not getting that panic button up for anybody else. To get points back on Hurlins at the next two races. He just has to. Even losing if Hurlins goes one one on Wednesday and guys are goes two two and only loses six points, that's still just not good enough. Like Geyser has to react. So if he gets it back below 50, by the time we leave Fianza, I will not panic button it yet. At Kegel771 on Instagram said, is Geyser 100% healthy? Uh, yeah, he is. And again, at Kegel771 is using Fianza 1 to define his whole season. But actually, his ride at Fianza 1 was just fine. Let's, let's not overreact, people. It's fine. It's all fine. Okay, the points deficit isn't, but himself, his riding and everything is good enough. It's great. So don't overreact. Alex at Alexia Prown 2 sent a question and then deleted it. So obviously wasn't confident in what he or she um, sent in. So Thomas underscore... (laughs) The effort you've put into these questions is phenomenal. Absolutely. Pat yourself on the back, mate. You're having an absolute awesome performance. <laughs> what? What's wrong? <laughs> At Thomas underscore SB93 said, what is the situation with Bogus? Testing positive, missing the first race and racing the second race. Now, there are a lot of rumours going around about this and I didn't put anything on MX Vice about it because waiting for the official full story. There were so many rumours and I even spoke to other riders about it. There are so many different versions of the story going around. But tomorrow, I'm hoping that I'll be able to sit down with someone. We're not going to reveal all yet. Hoping I will sit down with someone and get to the bottom of this so we have the full story. But the rumour was that he did test positive, And then after that, there's just all kinds of different directions of his story goes. So, uh, yeah, we just hold on. I will get the proper story rather than just slinging up any old story going, oh, Bogus test positive for COVID and then getting a load of clicks. We're not doing that. I'm getting the full story. At C Wilkins 100 on Instagram said, who wins an overall first, Prado or Sewer? Good question. Ooh. Mm. You'd want to say Prado based on the fact that he always starts up front and is therefore in a better position, but then you'd want to say Sewer based on his speed yesterday. I don't yeah. know which one trumps which. That's a bloody good, that's T-shirt of the week. That's T-shirt of the week. That is the T-shirt of the week. Yeah. <laughs> Question of the week. Best yeah. Week, yeah, that's why I call it a T-shirt of the week. Yeah, I think it is. I think that's a, that's a bloody good question. A hard one as well. You know what? This is crazy based on what I've said, based on my level of sewer appreciation this podcast. I think yeah. I'll go Prado. Purely because he puts himself in that position, and I think he will whole shot. Do you know what? I agree with you, but I don't like agreeing with you, so I'm going to say Jeremy. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I just feel like Prado, like you saw, Sewer could have won yesterday. He was so good that he should have won yesterday, but you saw how hard it was to, for him to pass someone. Prado won't have that problem if he's starting up front. So. Has Sewer ever got a whole shot in MXGP? I don't think he has. I can't think of a time that Sewer's actually led an MXGP race. No, I can't think of one. Well, that's not a surprise, is it? Right, next question. Yep. 
Sorry, I'm just moving over to another social media platform now. At Chris United 93 it says, does Muse get another crack with a factory team, maybe at Husky again as Olsen moves up? Uh, and also, is there any is there an under the radar rivalry bubble bubbling between Vial and Abrahami? Uh, I think uh, first one. I think because of his age, I think Conrad will get a shot at a factory because maybe. Uh, I, th- yeah. I think you were going to go that way with it. Yeah, I think he will. I think um, I think there's a lot of people out there who still believe he can do uh, what we've seen the weekend. So uh, yeah, I definitely think he will. And yeah, I like that. I liked the, the bar bang in the weekend. That was cool. I think there's definitely something there, isn't there? I'm not talking about sexual attraction. I don't think that Muse will get another shot on a factory team because there's a lot of people coming up through EMX. I don't. I think that boat has sailed for now. If he does, it'll be like in three years' time once he's properly proven himself and a factory team can feel like 100% confident in what they're getting. I don't know about this Vial and Brahma May thing because I don't feel like Vial really had anything to do with it. I feel like Brahma May just got really angry wanted to kill Vial. I don't really understand because as far I as far as I can remember, I can't even think of a time that Vial and Brahma May have actually battled like that. Like even been on the same corner of a track. So I don't know where the hell that came from, but it was definitely a bit uh, on the aggressive side from Brahma May. Uh, question from Lewis Phillips. Uh, <laughs> I forgot to ask you this earlier, so I'm gonna ask you it now, I'll slide it in. I do you I think we talked about this after Latvia. Uh Kimia or Monster Energy Yamaha Factory MX2. Beniston or Renault? Because this Renault. win makes that more of an interesting question. Yeah, Renault. All day long. I, I still think they go Beniston. I still fully believe that and I and it doesn't make sense seeing as Renault's winning but they've got their winner Gertz is going to be on the team next year so Gertz will continue to be their winner and I'm pretty sure they're fairly confident that Renault won't challenge Gertz next year so then I think they bring Beniston up and then while Gertz is doing the winning they mould Beniston into to become a winner when Gertz finally goes MXGP I don't know what I just can't all along I thought that Renault was automatically going to go to Kimia one day but now I just can't see it. I don't know why. Hello? 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 I, I, yeah, I answered the question. I'm, I just waited to finish the podcast. You didn't answer I'm the Renault. question? Oh, I said oh, Renault. Okay. It's a no-brainer. Why, why would you not want... If, if you're Yamaha, why would you not want two very competitive... Not Yamaha. Renault isn't some private... Uh, Yamaha have Renault. He's not some privateer down at the bottom of the pits. He's on an official supported satellite team. It's not the factory team, but it's not some... No no one would know that, according to you, because you never interview him. We never hear of him. You need to get your ass back over there on Wednesday and get a fucking interview. Shut up. Maybe I'll do like the obscure MX5 podcast on Wednesday, and rather than go into... Everybody out, out of the usual six people you get. No, not at all. I challenge you, I challenge you to get six different people. Well, who would be different? Because I haven't interviewed Mitch yet this year, and I interviewed him on Sunday. Oh, so, so you, want a, you want to talk about this? No, it's fine. What? It's fine. We'll talk about our next week's show. It surprised me with some, some, some people. 
I, I bet I rare, I've only interviewed Conrad like four times in my life. It's all, it's not, you need, everyone needs to get this in their it's head. Not, my post race podcast, it's not a planned thing. It's who I stumble across. I can't arrange, like, it's just who I randomly find. He's talking bollocks. I've seen him. He goes around pit lane and then he goes around the pits and he's like, he looks at you yeah, and he I goes, that's, that's never going to happen. And then goes on to somebody else who's like, oh, hi, Jed. How are you? You look so big out there. No, it's it's literally who I can find. Some people are easier than other. Like I text Jed while I was doing the podcast. I said, where are you? And then that was easy. You're actually scared that you're going to go up to some riders and you're going to go, oh, I thought you went really well today. And, he, and, and the mechanic goes, yeah, I've done really well. <laughs> no, not a chance. Uh, that is what you're petrified about. And then someone finding out and going, oh my God, Lewis didn't know who, who, who Bailey Malkovitz was. Like, how much of a retard do you think I am? I know what everyone A massive like. one. A massive okay, one. Uh, I've seen you operate in life, so that is not far-fetched. Okay, brilliant. No, it's just who I can find. I've, I've only interviewed Olsen like three times in my life. It just so happened that... If any teams out there are listening to this and just for the fun factor, um, want to put like a kit on one of their mechanics and so trick Lewis, it would be the fucking brilliant. It would be the best thing ever. I'm not that... I, don't, I, just, I know what Renault looks like. I know what everyone... I know what everyone looks like. I don't what know about, what... about Jampan? I don't know what he looks like, but I can't see myself interviewing him anytime soon. Exactly, because he's not one of your favourites. Well, because I don't think anyone really wants that interview. I do. Jam Pam wants that. You haven't even listened to the ones from Sunday, so why the hell would you listen to that? Because it's the same one. It's like, oh, Jed, you look really good out there. I really like you. I can't wait for you to go 450. So yesterday I interviewed Herlins, Prado, Seward and Caroli. Hello, Jed, you great galah. The, five, the four riders that were like the, sh- the story in MXGP, of course you want to hear from those riders. If I didn't interview those four riders and went off and interviewed Pankar, Lesiardo, and whatever else, you'd be like, well, what? Right. That's weird. What about Herlins? What about Sewer? Like- I would listen to post-race podcasts if you get a voice changer and you, you talk like Teddy Riley. For someone who wants this podcast to end, you're doing a very good job of dragging it out. Yeah, right, let's go then. Are we done now? At Leverett on Twitter said, is Muse getting full factory support now Hoffer is out? That is a no. Brilliant. Red KTM that don't is... really do the thing uh, or anything like that. The, the one time I can think of Red Bull KTM doing the fill-in thing was Simpson in 2015, but that was only because their team was literally obliterated with injuries. Right, we've got to go. Rob's got a water dog. I've got to fucking try and grow my hair back. I'm trying to move it on, but you keep interrupting me. Uh, Little Chris Camp said, do you think we are starting to see a switch in MX2 now? Yesterday seemed to show a switch from the Viao and Gert show. Can the likes of Boromay, Renault, and even Muse challenge them more regularly? On this track, yes. Don't know it. Mantova will be a... What Latvia to here is a completely different story, and everything we learn from Vienza will also be completely different in Latvia. Because this track is such a different dynamic with how start dependent it is. Uh, but then again, you'd think that Vial and Gertz, who have been great at starts this year, would have it nailed on a start dependent track, but they didn't. So who knows? Brilliant. The MX5 Show podcast is brought to you by. You having a laugh? What? You having a laugh? What? <laughs> I, thought, I thought we'd finished.
at Gerfim on Twitter said, "Is the championship battle in MXGP over?" Who? Gerfim. That's the name. Gerfim. Gerfim. Gerf. I thought as in Gerf. Yeah, Gerfim. Gerf. Okay. Is the championship battle in MXGP over? No, not yet, but it's going that way. You can't say that with 12 rounds to go. A lot can happen. But Hurlings is sitting very pretty. So, The MX Vice Show podcast <laughs> is... <laughs> Are you actually serious? What? I thought... Surely there can't be any more. I thought you said there was a couple of questions because you only oh, done it this morning. Well, and we'll end the questions now. Do you want to talk about your MX manager result? No, I don't give a fuck. I don't even know how I finished. Brilliant. All I know is I'm in, I've paid my money, and I'm going to win that in KTM. Okay, brilliant. So you really want this to end now, yeah? Yeah, I've had enough. How many hours has it been? It's like fucking two right. hours. Two hours. Yeah. Two hours for the first GP in three weeks is quite No boring. one even listens this long anyway. I look at the stats, everybody's like gone. They're like, they've had enough. I'll tell you what, you can win a t-shirt if you tell me uh, what word... I say after this and put it on Twitter. Fuck. What? What? No one's listening, but if anybody is... What? You seem a bit mentally unhinged today. Are you okay? Let's talk about you. It's a Monday. It's fucking mental in here, mate. Honestly. I'm tripping over orders. All right. I just want to make sure you're okay, because you definitely seem a bit mentally unhinged. Hey, some of us aren't swanning off around the world. First class flights everywhere, staying in five star hotels. Some of us are here grafting. You're right. EasyJet do do first class flights to Italy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, that was. You know what? I've got to say, I might record my own podcast tonight of just me with everything I wanted to say on this podcast, which James wasn't, wouldn't allow. So, That'd be cool. That. Don't forget the sponsors. That was Liat Asvice Anything. Um, huge thanks to those guys for supporting. The questions, I do apologize about the level of the show this week with the questions. It's just Lewis. Um, it'll be way better next week. So, on that note, the MX Vice podcast is brought to you by Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Yoko Europe, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, Hinson, KYB, Seven, Even Strokes, Kawasaki UK, and Talon Engineering. Remember your chance to win a t-shirt if you've got this far in the show and you put on Twitter the word fuck. Um, so there we go. Are you are you happy with that, Lewis? Well, I will have a lot more to say, but that's fine. That's fine. It's not like we're in the business of breaking down races or anything. That's fine. Yeah, cool. We'll leave that to the experts. And on that note, we will might see you next week. We might not. Rob from Jukebox Beats is on holiday. Um, so Lewis might do his own show from his dick to phone. Uh, see you guys next week. Bye. Say bye, Liz. See you, everyone. Sorry about James. Bye-bye. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, 
KTM Factory Racing and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to top flight motocross with a bang. The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. The MX Vice Show. 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 Show